Hello, this is Lauren Cornelius and I play Dodo Chapler on Doctor Who for Big Finish. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, the podcast that explores the hardbound world of Doctor Who collecting, the collectors, all kinds of Doctor Who merchandise, and Doctor Who in general. Great place to talk about it. Brought to you in part by Forbidden Planet and Bags Unlimited Incorporated. I have Larry Van Mersbergen, your host. I've been a Doctor Who collector now for 42 years, and I'm very proud to present this program to you. This is our 69th episode, celebrating 60 years of Doctor Who this year. Just to bring you up to speed, if you haven't heard this one before, I opened up actually one of the first Doctor Who stores in Chicago, and that was back in 1984. It's the same year that Who North America opened. So what do you know? Uh, We were called Bundles from Britain back in the day, and... I didn't know that the company name would last beyond a few years. In fact, it didn't um, until I picked up a book written by some wonderful people, people I call friends, uh, and it's called Red, White and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America. And I found bundles from Britain in the index and it lives on page 384. That just humbled me to death because uh, I introduced myself to the to the authors and said, I'm the person who founded that company and realizing, of course, fully that when I sold the company to my partner uh, and that partner was Gene Smith and almost everybody in Doctor Who knows who he is. He is the showrunner of Chicago TARDIS, the CEO of Alien Entertainment, and he's also a good friend of mine. So there you go. Um, You can find a copy of this book at DoctorWhoCollectors.com on the front page. I don't get any money from it. I don't want any money for it. You can buy it directly from uh, ATB Publishing or from Amazon. Every collector should have it in their library. We are part of the Direction Point Doctor Who podcast network. Want to listen to some great Doctor Who? uh, Then tune into Direction Point, directionpoint.org, and join the ranks, of course, with uh, great podcasts such as Time Streams, Police Box and Junkyard, the Doctor Who Target Book Club, uh, Doctor Who Literature, Traveling the Vortex, and many more. Uh, If you are a podcaster, you should be part of this network. Uh, Speaking of links, of course, two great resources every collector should have on their bookmarks includes timelash.com and under that heading, the TARDIS library to keep track of your books, vinyl and CD collection for free. Thank you, Mr. Dan O'Malley, for keeping that for us. If you need to do more in-depth research and something that may not be included in the TARDIS library, you need... Howe's Transcendental Toy Box. And you can find that at doctorwhotoybox.co.uk. And of course, by Howe, we are, of course, talking about my good friend, David J. Howe. Great friend, good resource, uh, a great collector himself, author of many uh, books. Telos Publications is his company, so be sure to give them a visit. If you're looking for great Doctor Who items at great prices, look no further than DoctorWhoStore.com. It's in the name. 
That is, of course, the web store for Alien Entertainment. Very close to that company, as you heard. So they're running a lot of specials. You can find some new copies of WH Allen uh, hardcovers, uh, something you might want to look for. And if you live in the Chicago suburbs, you can select free pickup from the store. I love that. Uh, there you go. So, uh, of course, you can also find uh, at our website some great things like Forbidden Planet, one of our sponsors. And uh, you can just go to our merchandise links at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. And don't forget our own eBay store. We have lots of Target books, some hardcovers that were extra in the collection. I, I don't like to keep duplicates per se, uh, so a lot of that stuff is going online and will help other collectors. All proceeds at the eBay store help the podcast, so you keep us on the virtual layer with every purchase. Don't forget Who North America, Keith and Jenny, amazing people, and uh, they opened up the same year as bundles. Uh, that's at whona.com. And of course, finally, our friends at the Who Shop in London. I'll never forget, I called them up one day and said, Hi, this is Larry Van Mersbergen from the United States. We love your podcast. <laughs> I was so touched. Uh, wonderful people there. Please give them a visit. They do ship to the United States very carefully, and uh, you'll love their selections. Um, so be sure to check that out. Of course, all, in addition, on our website, you can find all of the podcasts that we put out. You know, Apple cuts off a few after a while, and so do other providers. So if you want to go back to the very beginning of the Doctor Who Collectors podcast, you can only do that at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. Uh, the other thing there you can find is our guide to the Doctor Who classic hardcover books. Uh, we list all of the books that we know about, as much information and more information being added soon, such as print run numbers um, and any other information about the covers or things like that that we'll try to put in there. We've been helping a lot of other publications as well with our information. Doctoberfest is coming. I'm excited about Doc October myself. Collision is is the event um and you're gonna love this because i am myself am a guest at this show uh i am doing uh i am going to be in the collecting room we have a dedicated room to house the collections and talk about doctor who items from every era of doctor who from the beginning to the present day so i hope you're listening chicago tardis we need that there uh and of course uh, my good friend we this pagan will be there with his uh props and his autographs and you can check out some really cool stuff and don't forget my panel of course is 60 items for 60 years this year i have an item of doctor who are related to doctor who from every year of the program from 63 to the present day not very easy to put together i think you'll be impressed so there you go. Oh, I forgot to mention, in addition to myself and Elwithis being guests, you got to come down and visit with Sophie Eldred. Yes, Ace will be there. And uh, I'm excited to be on the guest list with her. She is an amazing person. You will love her. She is absolutely the one, the best. You know, she's just one of the best people in Doctor Who. Um, I've, I've been friends with Katie Manning for a long time. And yes, I have, I'm going to have her on the podcast as soon as, uh, of course, she's still working. So it's very difficult to find time. But once we do, we will sit down and have a chat with her. Um, I'm also uh, going to be talking with uh, Tony Lee in the future here. Uh, Tony Lee, of course, is an author, artist, and he'll be at Chicago TARDIS. And uh, tentatively, we've got Mickey Lewis, too. We're going to talk with him. He's been a Cyberman. He's been a sea devil. You'll love to hear his stories. So anyway, come on down to Doctoberfest and check this out. Uh, you can get tickets at whoa.com. 
Com. It's at the uh, Courtyard by Marriott in Camby, uh, just outside Indianapolis. Uh, not the same place as last year, so tickets are on sale, including special tickets if you want to have brunch or dinner with me or, or Sophie. But we'll both be there. Uh, I'm on. I'm on. I, I I'm going to be there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. And uh, while I'm on the subject here, Chicago TARDIS 2023. Here we go. Um, and that's, not, that's, of course, Thanksgiving weekend, the 60th anniversary of one of the best conventions in the Midwest. Uh, more information, of course, you can find at ChicagoTARDIS.com. So far, we got some more guests. Uh, latest guest to be announced was Mickey Lewis. I just mentioned him. He was a Cyberman. He was a Sea Devil. Um, and, uh, of course, we've got Jason Hay Gallery and more. I think more Big Finish people will be announced uh, very soon. Michael Troughton, of course, will be there. And we've got three doctors. Count them three. Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy. Uh, we'll have Stacy Smith. Uh, I love her. She's a author, and uh, I sat next to her at a table at Consinity and uh, got to be on a panel with her. She's a wonderful person. Uh, Jonathan Carley uh, plays the War Doctor for Big Finish. And here we go, drum roll. Don't have one. Uh, the very first companion, Carol Ann Ford, will be there, who played Susan uh, for a number for a season and a, and a two there, uh, and. Uh, you're going to love to meet her, too. I can't wait to meet her myself. Uh, hotel reservations are live at the West Inn in Lombard, so don't forget. I'll see you all there. Uh, grab a coffee at the in-house coffee shop. Take a stroll down Dalek Alley. Walk through the dealer's room. Half the dealer's room will be Alien Entertainment. DrWhoStore.com. Check them out. Say hello to Gene Smith and some of the other folks there. And... Uh, be sure to come by and find me. If you come on Friday or Saturday, I will be in Peter Davison cosplay. On on Sunday, I will be in one either probably my podcast shirt or one of the Doctor Who logo shirts. As I sometimes do gaming on Sundays, I sometimes do a panel on Sunday. But uh, you'll check check it out there. It's where I it's my it's my convention. It's where I go. Um, so what else? I'm still trying to work with uh, the Oricon folks in Oregon to have a, a video show for them. They're in Oregon, so it's hard to get out that way. Also trying to work with the uh, console room. They haven't gotten back to me yet, but uh, they were interested in the uh, collecting panel. And C2E2, of course, uh, put me on a wait list, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, new to the collection, well, I got another um, Amazing World of Doctor Who puzzle. I'm hopefully going to get the next one from that series. Uh, I've got a full set of buttons from the Sugar Smacks serial promotion. They're all in very good condition. Uh, a Ghost Light soundtrack CD, which was not produced by the BBC. I've got a thousand-piece puzzle on the Doctor Who episode guide. Never seen that before. Uh, going way back here, I managed to find a Dalek vintage sweet cigarette box from 1965. So there you go. More on the way. And uh, that's all for now. So if you want to see some of these items up close, you got to come to Doctoberfest for that. Um, of course, I, I field a lot of rumors out there on the classic hardcover front that people have said, I've swore I saw a third printing of Space War. Well, you may have swore at it or something of that nature, but one does not exist. Uh, by the way, if you do have one and it does exist, uh, just uh, send us a photo proof by uh, sending us the photo of the cover, the spine, and the copyright page listing the printing. And you can share that with me at Doctor Who Collectors Podcast at gmail.com. We'll include that on our hardcover guide. We'll uh, bring notice to you at that. You know, we'd love to hear from that. We're just trying to dispel some of the rumors out there. The only hardcover book to reach a third printing was Loch Ness Monster. Now we're discussing whether or not it actually had a second printing. 
Nobody's seen a second printing. So many first printings and third printings. Was it a publisher error? And they put third printing on there? Or was there a second printing? We don't know. We're trying to find that out. So anyway, talking of hardcovers on today's show by continuing coverage of the classic Doctor Who card covers featuring the books of 1983 will be on the uh, agenda today. And of course, hosting with me is always my good friend, Tony Witt, host of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. Uh, it's mostly Peter Davison stories, but stay tuned. You won't want to miss that. And if you're not a fan of Feedspot, uh, Feedspot has ranked the, do the top Doctor Who podcasts and the top 90. I have moved up a couple notches here. I am now number 31 on that list. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we moved up five spots since the last episode, so thank you so much. Uh, I also want to thank our patrons. We cannot exist without our patrons. Uh, please join us at Patreon. Uh, that's patreon.com backslash Doctor Who Collectors Podcast altogether. And support us at least at the $15 level to get access to the video portions of our podcast. If you want to see my interview with Peter Purvis, which was a great interview, a wonderful gentleman and a true friend, uh, he wished me a happy birthday the other day. It was my birthday the other day, but that's okay. Um, but I got a special message from Peter Purvis, uh, as well as Tasha Achilleos and uh, Simon Fisher Becker, Richard Ashton, uh, Mickey Lewis, and a few other people from the Doctor Who world checked in on me. So that was wonderful. Uh, so go there to become a patron. Our theme song is Who's Doctor Who, composed by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by our friend Fraser Hines. And of course, you can catch Fraser Hines at Chicago TARDIS or Chicago, uh, you know, we or any, most any convention. I think he comes with your ticket these days. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and many other providers. So if you want to share this with others and they don't use Apple, you can send them to one of the other places. We are a Direction Point Network podcast. So it's time for my time. Um, my time is a chance to talk about anything, pretty much, and I wanted to talk to uh, my collector friends out there. Is it kind of a new thing popping up on eBay that people have asked me about, and I've even experimented uh, buying a couple of these just to see what they're about. But I'm talking about unused Target book covers. Now, I've got a couple. Uh, the, the ones that I have here, I've got Inferno and a later printing of Doctor Who and the Zarbi. Now, from first glance here, they definitely look like they could be uh, published or unused covers, but I've got no documentation. Also, uh, I took a book to a graphic designer friend of mine and said, could you create this from the book? And they said, absolutely. Take high resolution scans of the front, the spine and the back, put them all together in InDesign, print them out on this wonderful cardstock, and you too could have a unused Target cover. Uh, they're selling anywhere from $30 on up. Um, the, I do have one that I can verify its legitimacy. It's a Alistair Pearson cover, and it was verified by Alistair Pearson himself, uh, which he doesn't do very often, so I, I give him kudos there. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm worried about these counterfeits, if they are indeed counterfeits. And I'm hoping collectors who are listening can chime in and say, no, 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 these are legitimate, or, you know, where are they coming from? Who can document their, their, their origin and their value? Because if they are going for $30 and people are buying them, and I'm watching several of them on eBay. You have this option on eBay where you add to watch list. And I'll watch a bunch of them to see what happens. And some of them have not sold for a while. I bought one. 
I actually bought the Inferno and the guy threw in the Zarbi for free, which I'm very appreciative of. And I have nothing against the seller. I think he was, you know, he, you know, whatever. I have no evidence uh, of anything there. Uh, I'm not calling it outrageous or anything like that. I'm just trying to find out more information. So when I ask questions, you know, I even asked, you know, is there any any documentation? No. Can you tell me the source? And he said, I really didn't know. He may have bought it from someone else. So I'd like to find out, are these real? Are they created, you know, because I could probably create one in InDesign. Uh, I may even try and see what I what I come up with. Uh, the the uh, specs are easy. You just measure the book, you know, measure the front, measure the spine, measure the back, put that all together mathematically, and you can get a dimension. And then do a high-resolution scan, put it together, use Photoshop to smooth out any, any, any defects, and you could probably create your own unused cover. So I don't know. But I'm hoping some people will chime in if uh, if you'd like to join this conversation join us on facebook at doctor who collectors podcast or on instagram at doctor who collectors podcast and let me know um what your thoughts are on this because i would love to know if these target books are actually you know target covers are actually real all right that is my time so after this break we will have the main story and the most outrageous offer stay tuned traveling the vortex are you ready to embark on an epic journey through time and space? Join the thousands of Whovians around the world who've discovered Traveling the Vortex, the ultimate Doctor Who podcast for diehard fans and curious newcomers alike. Every week, we dive deep into the Hooniverse, discussing the episodes, theories, and hidden gems. We dissect the Doctor's adventures, share behind-the-scenes stories, and explore the legacy of this iconic show. Traveling the Vortex brings fans together, fostering a global community of Whovians. Whether you're a fan of classic or new Who, there's something for everyone. Join us on this incredible journey as we unravel the mysteries of time and space. Don't miss out. Subscribe to Traveling the Vortex today on your favorite podcast platform. Traveling the Vortex. Your ticket to adventure awaits. Traveling the Vortex is a proud member of the Direction Point Podcast Network. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Up there is the scanner. Those are the doors. That is a chair with a panda on it. Sheer poetry, dear boy. And now it's time for the main story. This is a continuation 
of our coverage of the classic Doctor Who hardcovers that we have done now for several episodes. And so far, if you are attending class tonight, uh, we have covered 1974 through 1982 with the imprints of Universal Tandem, which used to be Will Alan Wingate, uh, Longbow, and W.H. Allen. So we now start today with 1983, where the W.H. Allen imprint is used exclusively. And so for the Doctor Who world here, it was uh, not a great year with 11 books published compared to the eight Target paperbacks with two reprints, uh, the two paperback reprints being Abominable Snowman and The Web of Fear with new artwork. So again, just to brief you back on the history in case you're joining us for the first time, uh, in 1975, a company called Universal Tandem was sold by a company called UPD to the conglomerate Howard and Wyndham. And the company was then renamed Tandem Publishing before merging quickly, like they weren't tandem long enough to order letterhead. Um, they, they merged with Howard and Wyndham, uh, their house called W.H. Allen. And they became Wyndham Publications in 1976. And of course, in the next year in 77, the Wyndham identity was completely wiped out. And so the tandem imprint was phased out later in 1980. So all surviving titles from that entire uh, publishing library were printed under W.H. Allen's paperback imprint, which was called Starbucks. The Target imprint, which was owned by W.H. Allen, survives until 1993, though in the last uh, few years of that run, it was exclusively used for Doctor Who, but early on you could find Wurzel Gummidge and other books by Target. The Target imprint has been purchased by BBC Books and is currently being used on current Target books. Um, the W.H. Allen uh, Doctor Who run ends in 1988. But of course, anytime I invoke the Doctor Who novelization, um, I've just been told that a time scoop was used in total violation of Gallifrey and law <laughs> and brought to us here, Professor Tony Witt, the host and producer of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, who assists us in this uh, adventure. Welcome to the show, my friend. It, is that what that was? I thought it was just gas. <laughs> well, it's it. I don't know. Depending on which version of the five doctors you've watched recently, it's either a circling triangle or a shimmering um, thing that they used. I don't know. But um, well, given the way they look in miniature inside it, I always thought they also had gas too. It looks very painful. I'm not sure why they didn't contact me. You know, and and of course, I've got a lot to say when we get to that book. But um, it's just they could have done better with those little figures because action figures were um, were not being produced yet, but there were so many manufacturers out there that could have made a, a small run of figures for the BBC, but instead they yeah. looked like they got a bar of soap and started whittling. So, <laughs> um, but um, anyway, uh, you know, this... Uh, what a, what a thing. But uh, anyway, 1983, of course, 11 Doctor Who books were published, which is two more than the previous year, but almost 90% of the books focus on the Peter Davison run. Uh, there were no hardcover reprints this year and won't be until the last one is reprinted in 1985. And that's purely uh, an interesting story, which you'll have to wait for that episode to hear. Uh, one book in this uh, series was released as a compilation of stories never released to the United States. These books are extremely sought after that you might have to take away Captain Briggs bonus. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she ever got paid <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to afford these guys. Uh, so uh, 
again, uh, the, the market for these is extremely volatile. Uh, they can be found in a couple different ways, though. We find them in X library condition. I have many of those. They're fine. They're great. Uh, that means they were pulled from a library, withdrawn from the collection, or stolen by a patron who really wanted it. And sometimes that happens. Um, or a retail store version or a non-library edition, publisher review copy, direct sales copy, a copy that you got from your bookstore that does not have any library stamps in it. Uh, many of the titles we're going to talk about tonight were the first to be distributed in the United States, but according to our timeline in 1983, not for another two years, which means there were plenty of these books left over after 83 to make it that far. Uh, so speaking of 83, Tony, any memories that come back for you for that year? Um, only the ones that I talked about on our Five Doctors podcast that I have very distinct memories of watching the Five Doctors the night mm -hmm. of the anniversary. Yeah, which yeah. of course was two days before the Brits actually got it. Yes, I know. Exciting. Which they've <laughs> never forgiven us for. Nope. <laughs> and quite rightly so. And if you go to our episode for Five Doctors, you'll hear a little snippet of a recording that a friend of mine did of the pledge break for that night where I won a runner-up prize, which turned out to be, uh, spoiler alert, a Doctor Who hat. <laughs> was it one of those ball caps with the diamond logo? Yes. <laughs> uh, we had those in my shop. And I, you know, I, I, I thought, I wish I still had mine because they would be nice to have in the collection. But um, and I've only seen a few float around, but I don't, you probably don't still have yours, I'm guessing. Actually, here's the thing. Yeah. I damaged my original one because I used to wear it and finally got rid of it because it was in terrible shape oh, and yeah. my friend john barton who actually won the contest and sent me this recording actually sent me the hat that he won as part of the package because he got all three prizes wow and so i do have the hat and i have never touched it or worn it so it's actually in hold on really to it. good condition yes <laughs> yeah. that's a good thing because uh, those i i don't see very many of those hats come up i know they weren't made very well to start with um it's like kind of all that material that came out of the um that that time in the early 80s it was the t-shirts and the hats oh, yeah. and 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 a lot of that became part of the barbara elder empire which is a whole nightmare of things that happened when I remember trying to order from them and you could only order certain items wholesale, the rest you had to pay full price for. So you couldn't make any money off of it. Oh, wow. And I thought, what a way to do business. Um, and there was nothing so corrupt until spirit of light. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> and that's still two years away, but right. anyway, uh, let me, uh, our list to listeners here, let me give you a rundown. 83 was a big year. If you haven't figured it out, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Doctor Who in the midst of the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. And speaking of shameless plugs, my uh, Patreon viewers, I am wearing the official, can't do it, it's reversed, the official Doctor Who polo for the 60th anniversary uh, year, which you can get at the Who Shop in the UK. That's thewhoshop.com. They still have those available. Uh, my special thanks to the Who Shop. Uh, for helping me get a hold of this uh, polo. Uh, anyway, in 1983, the 20th anniversary of the show, and it and it impacted not just the UK, but the United States as well. Uh, so here is what happened. So in February, um, this was a, a, a brilliant idea by John Nathan Turner, or not. Uh, the character for Purple Gilliam Brown is, is invented. Uh, and of course, it hasn't been cast yet, but they uh, they told us here in the that it was going to be an American. Turns out it wasn't, but, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, John Nathan Turner, by this time in February, had been to four U.S. conventions, which was 
pretty much the record for anybody who had been to a convention at that time. Uh, the next month in March, Lionheart Productions continues to promote the 41 movie packages of Tom Baker uh, to the annual NATP exhibit in uh, Las Vegas, hosted in a special Doctor Who bar at the end of the universe. Oh, wow. It was given uh, the announcement was made at Longleat a few weeks later. The deal to sell third Doctor serials in the U.S. Uh, had not been finalized. No mention of Pertwee in any of uh, Lionheart's advertisement. So, in April of '83, at the Easter weekend Longleat Festival, uh, John Pertwee announced that his stories were going to be made available again. So there you go. Uh, I'm delighted to hear yesterday from John Nathan Turner, the American gentleman who's over here from Lionheart distributing. And I gather that my stories are going to be shown in 85. Is it 85? John looks to John Nathan Turner, who nods. <laughs> in 1985, after Peter's 26 and another 26, then they're taking all mine. <laughs> so I can imagine John saying that. In fact, I may send that to Tim Traylor and see if he'll say that for us. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so by mid-83, the second Peter Davison series is made available for syndication. In June, uh, two Davison seasons uh, to offer, Lionheart releases a package of John Pertwee stories. Uh, the package only consisted of 14 stories, 73 episodes, to our disappointment that we started. That was the, the stories that started with Inferno. Mm -hmm. and then jumped to Claws of Axos. And yes. so we and we didn't get Mind of Evil because it was not in color, went to Colony in Space. We did not get the demons for some reason, even though it existed and had all the episodes. Uh, Day of the Daleks, we did not get Curse of Peladon. We got the Sea Devils, the Mutants, the Time Monster, the Three Doctors, and... Um, and I think the rest, except for Invasion of the Dinosaurs. So it was, uh, we, were, we were hoping Spearhead from Space, but that one existed in color, but they didn't get it for whatever reason. Um, the seven adventure seasons from season 10 and 11 had been previously sold to WGBX in 1977 and to two stations in Canada, but had not been available anywhere else. Uh, they were available, the Pertwee episodes were available either in individual episodes or in omnibus film editions. So depending on where you lived, you saw them one way or the other. So I'm not going to read, the, I just basically read the whole list of episodes that were done. Um, and unfortunately, some of the episodes, uh, they do address that. Uh, later history says that the reason they didn't release some of those other ones was the poor state of the tapes that they recovered in 81. Uh, they, they hadn't been restored yet, and they weren't, uh, that wasn't done until the next year, and they still felt it wasn't broadcast quality. So, and then to convert the tape to NTSC resulted in a terrible uh, conversion. So John Pertwee then goes on a tour in the United States, attending uh, all kinds of conventions in July of 83, accompanied with Elizabeth Sladen. And if you want to find the interview, it is in Starlog magazine number 79, where the cover is dated February of 84. Uh, also in that same month, uh, a little company in Secaucus, New Jersey called Lyle Stewart, very important for you Target book people out there, becomes the exclusive distributor of Target books in the United States. Target then starts to reprint all back issues with Lyle Stewart's name printed on the back of the cover. And they retail from $2.50. Oh, so that was pretty cool. Um, Radio Times releases a 20th anniversary special, and that's this one here. Um, and uh, this was basically had a, a big uh, release in England. This is the actual Radio Times version that um, they struck a deal with Starlog to run an American version 
Mm-hmm. This is the one everybody's seen, but not very many people have seen the original uh, because this one never made it to the United States. So um, this was a really big deal for that for that anniversary. Uh, Scorpio International releases a video called Doctor Who in America. Did you see that one, Tony? Back yes. In the day? yes, yes, I did. And in the July 83 issue of TV Guide had a half page feature called Happy Birthday to Who and mentions the upcoming 20th anniversary issue of Five Doctors. On the 23rd of November 1983, The Five Doctors makes its world premiere two days ahead of the UK transmission, as we mentioned earlier. Of course, I did watch it live that night on the Wednesday evening. At, uh, it was about 7 o'clock in the evening, I believe, and uh, it was just glued to the TV for all 90 minutes. That was just a, a moment to, to really uh, savor because we wouldn't get that USA premiere status until the 96 movie. Mm-hmm. which also came out before the UK transmission. Right. So uh, as a result of this special screening, Who is later sold to more stations in the United States than ever were before. Doctor Who was in almost available across the country. Um, then in uh, 20, uh, November 26, 27 uh, of 83, that was the Thanksgiving weekend. You know, that's an important weekend to remember as well. Spirit of Light presents the ultimate celebration. And I remember these flyers, uh, these were full page flyers. This is the front side and back side together uh, for um, this convention held at the at the Hyatt Regency downtown O'Hare Airport. Uh, I got down there for one day on the Saturday. It was it was an amazing thing. Uh, here, here is the list of people who were there. We had Tom Baker, John Pertwee, Patrick Troughton, which, by the way, that was his very first visit to the United States to attend a convention. Uh, Peter Peter Davison, Nicholas Courtney, Ian Martyr, John Nathan Turner, Anthony Ainley, John Leeson, Janet Fielding, Elizabeth Sladen, Carol Ann Ford, Mark Strickson, Sarah Sutton, Louise Jameson, Mary Tam, Nicola Bryant, Fiona Cumming, Ian Fraser, Gary Downey, Julie Brennan, Terry Nation, Peter Moffat, and Matthew Waterhouse. Uh, now, as I read that list, I uh, if you, my listeners, if you want to go back a few episodes to my interview with Peter Purvis, I asked him about this and he looked back at me and said, nobody called. <laughs> nobody called him. Nobody called Annika. Nobody called Ben uh, Michael Craze. Nobody called Fraser Hines. He's not on this list. They said, oh, nobody knows those people. Mm. So they were uh, they were left off. But Caroline Ford was because she was in the five doctors, even though all, a lot of those other people were in the five doctors in cameo roles. Uh, they did not invite them. So hmm. what was interesting about the convention in Chicago, uh, that the location filming for Caves of Andrazani was completed one week before that convention. So John Nathan Turner wrapped filming and got on a plane for Chicago um, and he flew directly to the United States from the location. So this is where this is at this event that Jonathan Turner met Patrick Troughton and asked him to appear in season 22, hmm. which he did. Uh, and that was a really interesting uh, uh, meeting there. Uh, I met Jonathan Turner at that convention, a very nice man. Uh, I know he was not liked by very many people, but uh, he was he was a very kind man to his fans. And one of the things I, I remember notably was at the charity auction when, you know, one of John Pertwee's tuxedos went for like four thousand dollars and uh, Tom Baker's one of his original scarves went for four thousand uh, dollars. John Nathan Turner at the end of that said took the Hawaiian shirt off his back and it went for 60. Oh, my God. The money went to charity. So. 
Was he wearing <laughs> something underneath it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, he, he was he was a layers guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't get, uh, I only went to the Saturday session because at, at the time in 83, I was, uh, I was 14 years old, I believe. And I just couldn't, couldn't afford it. Plus my parents were a little worried about me going downtown by myself. I took my brother with me. He was, he was like in heaven seeing Dr. Who on the big screen. So what a great time that was. Um, and then of course my, my memories of, of 83 include the fact it was my freshman year in high school. So it was, uh, Big deal watching the five doctors. Uh, we got the first season of Davison finally with some Pertways and Tom Bakers. And uh, they actually showed the five doctors uh, in in between Ark and Space and Santaran Experiment. Ooh. So the previous Sunday showed Ark and Space. The Wednesday was five doctors. And next Sunday, you got Santaran. So that was pretty cool. Uh, 11 2783 so there you go so to onto the books of this time the hardcovers uh in 1983 all the doctor who hardcovers will be on the wh allen imprint and are printed with a laminated cover the majority of them will have photo covers but a handful of them have artist renditions um all will feature the neon logo or the sutton logo as it's uh, been designed by in various colors so we kick off the year in january of 1983 with a book called doctor who time flight by Peter Grimwade. Uh, the cover is a photo cover. 4,500 copies were printed of this. This was the most biggest print run in a long time. Book had a price of £5.25 if we convert the 1983 uh, price to today's in dollars, it would be $18.45. This photo was actually taken from Doctor Who magazine. And I don't have the actual magazine in my library, but here's the photo. Hmm. It's the exact photo. I'll hold them both up for comparison here. Hmm. And so they didn't go far looking for different photos of uh, Peter Davison for that. Um, they were, by the way, according to the research, there were limited photos to choose from because Peter Davison only did a handful of photo shoots for things. Um, and for the first time, the paperback version of this book was not released until three months after this. So we didn't get that till uh, March. Uh, the original audiobook was set to be narrated by Matthew Waterhouse, but the company that was going to do it called Audio Go uh, went out of business in 2013, <laughs> and they told Matthew, sorry, we're not going to do it. But eventually, the 2021 audiobook was read by Peter Davison. Uh, this book is really not that hard to find. Uh, you can pay about 100 bucks or less and sometimes a little more uh, for a copy in non-library condition. Uh, this is a original mint condition copy that I had from 1986. It was part of the U.S. distribution from bundles from Britain. And you find if you have one of these catalogs floating around, it's on page two. And um, it cost $14 back in 1986. So my copy is one of those that is from that era. Um, the binding is still good. So this was not too long ago for the Target Book Club. What? Uh, how did Peter Grimwade fare here? It was episode 135. Dalton gave it a two. I gave it a zero. My yeah. first and only zero. <laughs> and J.G. McQuarrie, of, originally from Talking Who to You, but now yes. Talking Trek to You, <laughs> gave it negative 17,428, but actually one. <laughs> nobody liked this book i do remember listening to that episode i was cracking up <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's nothing to recommend it unfortunately it's it's a shame it, and and of course i i didn't care too much for the tv story either um it just 
it seemed to, you know, this whole, the big reveal of, you know, Khalid being so stupid and it turns out he's the master. And I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, I just didn't, didn't care for it. But now I understand if, if nobody was buying this book and 4,500 copies, we got 150 or 200 copies of Time Flight in 1985. So uh, I believe, and I believe you can still get it off of DoctorWhoStore.com. He probably still has some from that original stock, but um, yeah, it just didn't do very well. And uh, this is a time when WH Allen is really starting to um, look at their sales and go, do we really need to do this many hardcovers? Nobody's buying them. We're shipping to the United States and it isn't too long. Uh, They get the, the books go to Lyle Stewart in 85 and in 86, they're out. They said, nope, we're out. They sold the entire thing to bundles from Britain. So we sold them out. I sold them till I sold the company to Gene and Gene took whatever is left and he's still got them in his store. So it's kind of sad how that worked. Um, on to February, uh, we get Doctor Who and Megalos, or no, there's no and, it's just Megalos, uh, by Terrence Dix with a co- another great cover by Andrew Skilleter. Gotta love that. One of the few uh, uh, artist covers for this month. Only three, uh, by the way, he's a listener. So the great Andrew Skilleter. Thank you. Sorry, I forgot <laughs> that. Uh, 3,000 copies were printed. And by the way, this book is significant. It is the last fourth Doctor story to be novelized. Mm-hmm. That was it. Uh, rights could not be attained for Pirate Planet, City of Death, or Shada. So that would be that. Uh, this book was part of the U.S. distribution and sold for $14 in 1986, and this is my copy, and it is still extremely, it still makes that noise when you open it just a little bit, so it's still mm. in great shape. Um, you can find this pretty well. I've seen it for 80 to 100, sometimes 30, it depends, because I think a lot of these still exist and float around. Um, non-libraries, plenty of those to be to be had. So uh, what was the uh, judgment on Megalos? Uh, again, well, it wasn't as bad as uh, Time Flight. That was episode 122. Okay. Had, gave it two and a half stars. Allison gave it a two, saying that it was not too taxing. That's good and, for her. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I gave it a 2.5, saying that it was not a good story, but it was still saved by Terrence Dix, or at least mm-hmm. as much as he could save it. True. Um, so not dry as a cactus, as they say. Right. <laughs> Megalos. Sorry, my favorite character in Megalos is that that poor Earth guy oh, yeah. <laughs> in the three-piece suit who's trying to deal with this whole thing because he got nabbed on his way home from work or something like that. <laughs> like, right. And I just thought that, you know, pure, pure, uh, for, for a season that Tom Baker really didn't like filming, uh, that was some comic relief. Mm-hmm. But I'm sad though that was the last one they they did, and uh, they've got they didn't even do all of them at that point. So it's kind of the way that goes. Uh, in March of 1983, we get Doctor Who Castrovalva, Christopher H. Bidmead, and a photo cover. Uh, Three thousand copies were printed. As soon as I got this book, I totally recognized where the picture came from, mm-hmm. and it is from the very first. Doctor Who magazine I ever bought. Oh. <laughs> Number 70. I have I have several copies of these. I have one that's signed by Peter Davison. Uh, I read this like cover to cover 19, 20, 30 times when I got it because I thought I had never seen Doctor Who magazine before, but I bought this in 1981. Uh, but you could see the cover, the photo is exactly from that photo session. Mm-hmm. 
It's very close. So they were taking photos from Doctor Who magazine, which I thought was really um, interesting there. Uh, and uh, let's see. Uh, the book, of course, was part of a, the U.S. distribution in 1986. Bundles from Britain had a price of $14. And this is the copy I had from that time period. Uh, so I've seen the book for anywhere from $75 to $100 in new condition. I've seen it for $40 or less for X Library. There are a few of those that float around. Um, and uh, uh, basically, that was uh, my prerogative of, of taking the book. You know, when I was the store owner, I got to pick what I could. If it was low stock, I couldn't take one. The, the next book uh, was proof of that. But um, what did the club think of Castrovalva? That one was surprising. Uh, that was episode 129. Dalton gave it a 3.5. He said he wasn't as impressed with it as he was with Legopolis, even mm. though it was still good. Allison gave it a 3.75 and ah. said that she liked it as much as The Green Death and Colony in Space, which are her two touchstones for wow. what good novelizations are. Okay. J.G. McCory was with us again. He gave it a 4. And I gave it a 3.5 because, again, it's it's good. It's really mm -hmm. good, but it's not quite as good as Legopolis, which is an excellent novel. Yeah, that is a good book. Um, I As far as for me, that, that story still sticks in my head is the first Peter Davison story. And it was um, just an amazing story to watch just because and I still watch it today as, a, as, as I saw it nostalgically. I mean, it's, it's not a bad story. Uh, and. Um, but again, Legopolis was really well done, and I was hoping that it would continue. And you could run, uh, I've seen stations run Legopolis and Castro Valva in one movie. Uh, so it, you can, because the scenes were all done at the same time. But uh, yeah, what a, uh, I, one of my, that's one of my favorite stories. Uh, on to, May, on to uh, April, uh, and this is one of the few times when a book is published in story order. So we get Doctor Who, Four to Doomsday by Terrence Dix, uh, photo cover, uh, 3,000 copies printed, and not really much to say about it. Uh, it was part of the U.S. distribution, but we only got 10 copies, so I did not take one. This is an ex-library copy. Um, $14 was the price. Uh, not very easy to find these days, so you might pay $100 or more for a copy. Uh, the story was uh, in, you know, not too many, like I said, very few hardcover books, especially were in story order. The only ones that I remember, uh, Space War and Planet of the Daleks were done in, Planet of the Daleks were done in succession, and there might have been one more, but um, that's, uh, that's a pretty rare thing. Plus, we get not such a great photo on the front. I, the Davison outlined um, where they cut out the photo <laughs> with, uh, with, the, uh, with the green guy. So, um, Okay, I kind of know where this is going because I remember the episode, but Tony, where did the club fall on Fort of Doomsday? Oh, yes, we hated this book. <laughs> it was yes. episode 130. Dalton, who generally gives fairly high scores to everything, gave it a 1.5, which at wow. that point was his lowest score to date. Mm. There is a later book coming up, which is actually his lowest. Ah, so okay. this is uh, the period when Dalton went dark, shall we say. Um, <laughs> Allison also gave it a one. Okay. And I gave it between a 0.5 and a one. Wow. Because That's... it is a perfect storm of a bad script with a very uncaring Terrence Dix trying to do his best with it, but you mm. cannot make a perfect 
purse out of a silk well can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear and it's definitely that definitely that yeah not my favorite tv story kind of a letdown after castro Valva. and i know that this one was filmed first before i believe if, if i'm right yes they did Ford and doomsday then they did castro Valva. so yeah it's uh so i'm sure that the whole new to the doctor who thing was was part of that but i did not care for 40 it's one not not a story i repeat very often oh in um in may of 1983 we get doctor who earth shock by ian martyr uh, another photo cover and 3,000 copies the photo features the doctor holding a gun from episode three which is very uncharacteristic of the doctor is very controversial um and of course, this was, of course, not to give away the appearance of the Cybermen. The original photo cover had Cybermen in it. And they said, oh, we can't tell anybody that they're Cybermen. But the book, of course, came out after the story aired, so it wouldn't have mattered. Um, and it's one of the few books that um, doesn't have Cyberman in the title. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oops, my cable got loose there. All right. Uh, live podcast everybody uh so there we go uh so no cyber in the title including wheel in space 10th planet uh fall in that category as well uh despite the book was part of the u.s distribution we got so few copies i think it was like eight or nine copies so it's a very difficult book to find uh this one i got uh by way of australia um my friend uh, jonathan ruffle helped me get a hold of this i didn't buy it directly from him i got it from somebody who refused to ship it to me in the united states so Jonathan was happy to get it and reship it to me. So it still cost me less than the other alternative. So it was a, a nice deal. Uh, this book uh, did sell for $14.1986 and all copies of Earthshock sold out at the first convention we did. I remember that well. Uh, so there are none currently for sale anywhere. Uh, how did Earthshock do? Well, it was episode 134. Dalton gave it a 3.5. He said he said that the book made him cry. And in fact, he teared up during the podcast. Oh, wow. So that tells you something about how much it hit him. Yeah. Allison was also hit by it. She gave it a 3.5. I gave it a tentative four because there are so many improvements on the story, even though there are a few things missing. Mm -hmm. And Jim Sangster was on that episode. Yes. And he specifically gave it a crumpled five-pointed star for excellence. Very well done. Yeah, and uh, that that's uh, still one of the stories that sticks out in my head from, from watching it the first time and noting, you know, it wasn't very um, common for them to kill off companions in, in the series. It only happened a few times before and not... Um, and not since the first doctor, I believe. So, yes, uh, so Sarah Kingdom and Katrina uh, being the other ones. Uh, so this was kind of a shock. And uh, the, of course, the the very powerful fourth ending credits with no music, mm -hmm. and just a crumpled star, and the whole uh, shock. And the uh, by the way, I give total kudos to the TARDIS crew actors, Peter, Janet Fielding, Sarah Sutton. Just their their reaction was. Mm -hmm. You know, like they didn't tell him that, you know, we, you know, he's leaving or whatnot. Um, and it just, it just was really powerful. I, I remember reading this one too, and it hit me too the same way because it, it is a good book. Uh, it's a good story. And it's, uh, it's one of those, of course, we didn't know the Cybermen were coming out either. And that was a nice surprise. So, wow, what a story. Um, in, uh, in 19, in June of 1983, uh, Doctor Who, we get uh, Doctor Who Terminus. Uh, by John Lydecker, not his real name, um, Stephen Gallagher, uh, and another photo cover. 
with uh, the great, the late great Valentine Dial. Uh, you know, uh, and if you know, don't know who that is, and you listen to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Guy uh, Galaxy radio show, he is the voice of deep thought. And um, I think one of the the guys on the when he sees the total perspective vortex, he's the guide for that. So there you go. Uh, this had a price increase uh, to five pound fifty and three thousand copies. The paperback also got a price increase with this release. This book was not included with U.S. distribution, so it is not very hard to find. We don't know why it was uh, out at the time, but maybe they didn't have any copies, so we have no idea. Uh, so this book can go for as high as 200 or more, depending on the condition. Um, i trying to see if this one, this one is a mint copy. I don't know how long, I've had it for a long time. I don't remember what I paid for it. Um, and that's about all. Of course, this is the story where uh, Nissa departs and um, does a little striptease on camera. <laughs> so, so how did the club view Terminus? We actually loved that book. Dalton mm -hmm. gave it a four. Allison gave it a 3.5, said it felt more like a novel than any of the books that we'd read up to that point. Hmm. And I gave it a 4.5 only because I had previously given Warrior's Gate a 4.75. Hmm. And I like Terminus, not quite as much as Warrior's Gate, but it is still just an amazing book mm. that is so so much better than the tv version i agree yeah there there's so many i mean it was cleaned up quite a bit and um terminus the t the tv episode i i liked it when i saw it i just it's not one i rewatch. Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah, and an interesting storyline. I think they could have done better, but of course, it was 1983. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what can you do? Uh, but uh, yeah, this one and this one does not have the Lyle Stewart stamp on the back, by the way, just so you've heard it, it was not included in U.S. distribution. Uh, the next book in June, also in June, uh, and we're not sure why, but this was a rare opportunity. W.H. Allen uh, released a compilation book, and it's called The Dalek Omnibus. And... Uh, it is only in hardcover. Uh, Terrence Dix, artwork by Andrew Skilleter. So, and you can get this print, by the way, from Andrew Skilleter. It's a wonderful print. Uh, it features three stories, including Dalek Invasion of Earth, Planet of the Daleks, and Day of the Daleks. Uh, and the book sold for £6.95. Not included in U.S. distribution. We don't have a print number, but I'm guessing it's one shy of a shit ton. Because <laughs> I have found so many copies of this book for sale. Uh, it is now going in mint condition for roughly 30 to $35. Mm -hmm. And it's just not something you will have to look hard for. If you go to a books or eBay and type in Dalek omnibus and the WHL, and there will be a lot of them and you can find one for very little money. Uh, this one is in mint condition. I paid $6 for this one a long time ago. Uh, the reviews of these three stories you can find either in past episodes of the pot of my podcast or in past episodes of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. We don't need to go back with a review, but this was, by the way, the only um, reprint compilation of its kind from W.H. Allen. Um, my guess it had something to do with the 20th anniversary. There was no advertising to corroborate that. Um, it just got flooded to bookstores. And I'm, I'm guessing, I'm going to put a guess that they did 10,000 of these based on the availability. And uh, they could have had more if they sent it to the United States. I mean, we didn't even know it existed. It wasn't in any of the catalogs, not even the WH Allen catalogs had this book, but uh, it's, a, it's a little bit thicker. It's, it's about a pound more than the regular books, but just look out there and you can find it. 
what a what a nice thing. Uh, we go on to July of 1983, and uh, we get Doctor Who and Ark of Infinity uh, by Terrence Dix, along with a great photo cover of Peter Davison and, and Michael Goff. 3,000 copies were printed, and that's about all there is to do with that. Uh, three, uh, the book was not part of U.S. Distribu distribution, and it is not very hard to find. Uh, this mint copy I happened upon uh, some, some years ago. The only thing is it does have uh, somebody's name written in the front, but that's not a big deal. It's still very tight. Um, so good luck on that. But what was the uh, review on Arc of Infinity? Arc of Infinity was episode 136, and that was indeed Dalton's lowest score ever. He gave it a one. Ooh. Allison gave it a one except that she said we've read so much worse but somehow she gave it a one jg mccory was with us again and he gave it a two and i gave it a two if only because i hate time flight more yeah <laughs> that's exactly why it got as high as it did this uh this was the story for the this was one of the first peter davison stories i saw uh that was pirated in the United States, it was a camera copy, a very flickery copy that when it after about a week after it finished, uh, it ended up over here and many of the fan clubs got a copy and we were, you know, huddled around a TV watching it. And um, it was uh, kind of hard to watch that way. And then when I saw it clear as a bell later, it didn't it's really still improve hard things. To watch. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really improve things. Um, and sadly, they they could not, um, you know, the, the original actor, I believe the original actor passed away for Omega. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to double check that. So if I'm wrong, don't hit me on Facebook, guys. I'll, I'll figure it out. But I, I missed that, that roaring voice. Uh, you know? <laughs> and uh, it was kind of different. Of course, Michael Goff, uh, an amazing actor. Uh, and uh, of course, husband of Annika Wills, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, just a, 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 the celestial toy maker himself. But what a great return for that. Uh, that's about all there is. And lots of it happens on Gallifrey. And one little side note too, uh, the appearance of a future doctor as a counselor, uh, as, a, as a guard, Colin Baker is in the story. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, that's a pretty cool tidbit for that. All right. Moving on to August of 1983, we get Modern Undead uh, by Peter Grimwade, a photo cover once again, uh, 3,000 copies printed. The original photo for this was supposed to be uh, Peter Davison with Nicholas Courtney oh. on the cover, but it was scrapped. So this cover is actually, this photo is from Terminus. Hmm. Uh, so this is the only book that used a photo from a different story. We're not sure why. I guess they were they were they couldn't decide if they were going to use the older brigadier or the made up younger brigadier or a cropped younger brigadier photo. They couldn't agree with, um, uh, I guess, Nicholas Courtney's agent or they didn't like the photo. It, it's not clear. The research goes all over the place on that. Um, in 19 in October of 1983, this is important um, that. W.H. Allen signed its distribution deal with Lyle Stewart. So the paperback of this title was the very first paperback to have the USA information printed on the back. Ooh. Not the hardcover, but the, uh, the uh, his hardcovers didn't come for another year. Right. Uh, but the paperback is the first, Padron Dead first edition is the first book to have that stamp. So collectors, if you're looking at your collection, and there were a couple printings of this book in paperback, and the later ones don't have it. 
because Miles Stewart didn't stay in business very long, sadly. Um, and of course, hardcover books come later, ultimately unsuccessful. Lyle Stewart could not get rid of them. So they ended up literally dumping them on bundles from Britain in 1986. So that would be, and there would be no more hardcovers imported. However, uh, after there were, there were times that uh, you will find later books with Lyle Stewart price tags. And that's because like a copy of the smugglers that I have has a Lyle Stewart price tag. Those price tags are attached in England. Mm. at the distribution warehouse so they put a bunch of lyle stewart stickers on stuff and like well we're not sending to them anymore oh okay well never mind they didn't bother peeling them off so they just left it um amazingly enough this book was not part of the inventory when it was sold to me so we did not have it but uh, my copy is a mint copy imported uh you can find this book for anywhere from 200 dollars on up because it is a little bit more difficult to find since it did not reach usa distribution uh, so how did uh, the club like Modern Undead? Um, well, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a middling book, Modern Undead. Uh, Dalton gave it a three point five. Allison actually gave it a fairly high score. She gave it a three point two five. I I gave it a three point seven five, almost a four, because again, the book is really quite the improvement on the televised story. Hmm. Yeah. Surprisingly good. That's good. That's good. Because I, I, I did like the, the TV story. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I loved Nicholas Courtney being in it. I wish they could have brought him back for more. Um, but I know his uh, in later years, his health was a, a, an issue. And his last appearance in the Sarah Jane adventure, you could see how aged he was. Um, and he died shortly after that. Mm -hmm. uh, but what a great uh, uh, kind of a kind of a almost a character that almost didn't last but became so integral to the part of Doctor Who uh, uh, universe, you know, the Brigadier. And it was nice that the fifth Doctor got to interact. So it is one of my favorite Davison stories for that reason. Um, of course, in September and October, they didn't release any books because they were hunkering down for the 20th anniversary celebration coming up in November. So in November of 1983, we get Doctor Who, The Five Doctors. And we get a cover by Andrew Skilleter. It's a beautiful cover, the silhouettes. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that happened here, uh, oh, I'll get to that in a second. Anyway, uh, this book was purposefully withheld from US distribution. Ooh. It could not get it. Um, and I'm not sure why. Uh, I tried to order it and they said, sorry, that book's not available. But huh. it's, it's out, it's there, we know about it. They won't sell it to us. So this book was not the hardcover edition and the first couple first prints of the paperback were not allowed into the United States. So that was my Lyle Stewart rep back then. Uh, the book, of course, was rushed to publication by W.H. Allen to be ready by November. Terrence Dix had to work from his submitted scripts, which differed slightly from the TV version. Uh, the book was released slightly ahead of the broadcast, which irritated John Nathan Turner. <laughs> uh, didn't affect anything here because we didn't get it. Copies of the paperback were seen two weeks before the broadcast. And I think I remember listening to your episode on that where somebody said, yeah, I read it before the broadcast several mm -hmm. times. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, despite the paperback getting the first edition and second edition treatments on the cover, the hardback will not be reprinted. It was only a one-timer. 
Um, only one hardcover gets a reprinting, which at the which was, by the way, just a little spoiler, that 85 reprint was at the strong behest of Nathan Turner because the paperback got a second edition. We got to do a second cover for the hardcover. They were both released in the same month and the same year. So it's just a and, it, and you can't tell the difference between the two covers. You have to open up the book and it'll say second printing. So it's one of those. Um, to save on royalty costs, because pictures of the actors, they were starting to get wise to the whole thing here. Um, Andrew Skilleter used silhouettes mm -hmm. to save money, the cheap bastards. Um, <laughs> they also got a price increase of £5.95 for this book, which they did get. And again, no US delivery. Uh, the cover print, by the way, and variants of this color cover print is available at andrewskilleter.com. Big plug for my friend Andrew there. Um, he also got a, a very interesting commission that same uh, month to do a cover for the Radio Times magazine. Mm -hmm. And uh, he actually went to the reception for it, got a nice plaque for, for this. And um, of all the Doctor Who covers uh, to, to be on the Radio Times, this is Andrew's only one. Uh, and it's a good cover. It's a really good uh, drawing. And you can get uh, posters of this uh, on his website as well. Um, and he, so he was on fire that year for, for that. Uh, expect to pay anywhere from $200 on up, but I'm going to let a little secret here. My mint copy of the five doctors is signed by Terrence Sticks. Oh, my. <laughs> Goodness. We this pagan was crying when I showed him that. <laughs> but um, that's, uh, you know, that that's, uh, I, I did not have him personally sign it. When I bought the book, it did not say it was autographed. Maybe the guy didn't open it. It's like my copy of Doctor and the Cybermen that had the page stuck. And when I opened the page, it was signed by Michael Craze. Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but uh, the uh, the book can go for anywhere from 200 and up in non-library condition. There are lots of ex-library copies floating around. And of course, you notice on the cover, it doesn't say first edition like it does on the paperback. It just has that cover. Um, and again, nah, the cheap bastard, it's not part of US distribution. So anyway, um, how did the story hold up for you guys? This is our most recently released yes. episode. It's 142, just before we go on hiatus. Uh, in honor of the five doctors, we had five critics. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we had Dalton, who gave it a 3.5. Allison, who gave it a 2.5. We had myself, who gave it a 3.5. J.G. McQuarrie was also joining us, and he gave it a 3.5. And Jim Sangster thanked us all for our scores, because his score was... 3.141565. I do remember that. Yeah. So happy to be able to make that joke. Yes. That's a that's a great one. Uh conductor, it's as easy as pie. <laughs> pie? Apple strudel? Oh yes. Oh, that would have a trout a trout in line. Oh goody, pie. You know. Right. So many waste lost moments there. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a good book. Uh, it's a great story. Um, I've I've even I even saw the uh, mystery science theater treatment of it. Uh, oh yes, I don't know, caught that actually. Actually, it was funny. I saw it in the theater, and they were doing it live. And when they panned the audience, I saw Galen Jenkins in the front row. Really? <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I know that guy. 
Yeah, he just he's in the five, fourth doctor outfit and all that. Great guy. Usually he uh, always assists me when I do the collecting panels, and he'll be uh, with me at Doctoberfest this October, and uh, I'll mention that in just a moment. But uh, yeah, five doctors in hardcover, extremely hard to find in mint condition, and if you can find a copy with Terrence's autograph on it, even better because you can't get that autograph any longer. Uh, sadly for that. And so we are down to the final book in, in December of 1983, and we end with a robust novel of Kinda mm -hmm. by Terrence Dix with another photo cover, 3,000 copies. Um, and this was the final book to use a photo cover. So you can all go, thank God. <laughs> well, the reason for that is... Um, Peter Davison's agent was finally getting wise to this little scheme and demanded money for all these photo covers, mm. which W.H. Allen reluctantly paid and said, well, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so, oh, well, again, the cheap bastards. <laughs> but um, uh, Kinda was not part of U.S. distribution. This book is not very easy to find. I have an ex-library copy here, but it's still a very tight binding. It's like, I think it never got checked out. I'm trying to see. I was trying to see what library it was, but it doesn't say. They sold it for 10p, by the way. Mm. So it's got that little 10p in there. And if you see that, it's it just so somebody got this for like roughly a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll pay probably about 200 to $250 for one of these if you can find one in decent condition. This one actually looks really good because I had this on the shelf for quite some time, but didn't realize it seemed a little weird when I held it up to the light and realized there was a, a plastic coating, a plastic cover along the cover, and it wasn't taped to the book. It was like folded under. So I Ooh. used my special library uh, scissor tool and I took that off and the cover looks like it's in really good shape. It really protected it. And of course, it goes into a bags unlimited bag. Shameless plug for my sponsor. So um, that's one of those uh, one of those things. It's just nice. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, uh, my listeners and every, I had a complete set of those books for the very first time. Ooh. So eighty three was complete. In fact, I've got eighty three all the way to the end of the run. So uh, I won't be saying don't have this one, but I've got them all now. So that's uh, I'm only missing like five or six titles from the back run. Um, so what did the club think of Kinda? That was episode 131. Dalton gave it a four because he could tell that it was something unique, which it was. Mm -hmm. Allison gave it a three for the same reason. And I gave it a 3.5 because it was still lacking something, but it was still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I liked it, too, because it, it was a different story. It was a different kind of story. And um, the, the use of the Mara, which will ultimately come back in, a, in a, another episode, which uh, is really quite something. And I enjoyed this one. I really did. I thought it was a really good story. And of course, back when these came out, we were excited for every Davison story to come out. That's just, you know, we were like, it's a new doctor. It's a new thing. Um, but that takes care of the 1983 hardcovers. If you'd like to own a set of these, good luck. Some of them are very hard to find, but not impossible. Uh, I have a complete set, but I had to settle for some ex-library copies, which if you're, I'm not picky, but uh, I have friends who only get mint copies and that's pretty lofty, but very difficult to do. So uh, based on my estimates of price and actual sale prices of these books, a total set for 1983 would cost you roughly $1,635. Still expensive Ooh. for 11 books. Um, and that's based on the estimates, uh, which is a little cheaper than last year. 
by the way. Uh, my advice, of course, to all collectors, when you encounter an auction that has a negotiating rate, try to negotiate, but be fair. Don't be unreasonable. You won't even look at. Uh, you'll find some of these titles at Abe's used books, but those prices tend to be a little higher. So you might pay a little bit more than it's worth there because those sellers uh, really know what they're doing and they're trying to get the money from you. Uh, you might get lucky on an eBay, but beware of price gouging. Uh, beware of sellers uh, who are unscrupulous. Uh, watch the Facebook groups. Uh, my, my list of respected sellers, uh, including my friend Tony Witt here, who's uh, selling off some books himself, uh, mm -hmm. Dale Santos, Jonathan Ruffle, David Russell, um, and there's a few others out there uh, that, that really know what they're doing and will really go out of their way to make sure that you get a good deal. Uh, some of these copies can be found new at DoctorWhoStore.com, but you might be paying a little bit more there because these books are from the original Bundles from Britain inventory. And I know that because I sold Bundles from Britain to Gene Smith back in 1988, and he runs Alien Entertainment. So he got all the inventory. So that's how that worked. Um, and of course, uh, you can find, sometimes you can find them at Who North America. And as of this taping, uh, Doctor Who store has the following titles. Uh, they have Meglos uh, for 125, Castro Valva for 400, a little bit more than my estimate. Kenda is 125, which isn't too bad. Time Flight for 145, which is probably way too much for that book. And Ooh. Arc of Infinity for 145, also too much for that book. So if you really need a copy in mint condition and you don't mind paying a little bit more, Doctor Who store has them and you can get them while they last. Um, so there you go. Uh, my special thanks, of course, to my good friend, Tony Witt, uh, host and producer of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. You'll probably find both of us at Chicago TARDIS uh, this November for the 60th anniversary of uh, Doctor Who. Um, and of course, currently the Target Book Club is on hiatus. Uh, any, any notion as to when you'll return to the air? Oh, we're going to be back at the beginning of November. Perfect. So you'll get uh, an episode covering Harry Sullivan's War, oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. will be at the beginning of that month. And then our Chicago TARDIS episode is going to be Warriors of the Deep. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Big, big title there. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to, I'll try to be at the taping. I know that that weekend is crazy schedule wise, but, uh, but uh, if you can't wait for uh, Chicago TARDIS in November, then join me for collision on October 21st down in Camby, Indiana, which is just outside Indianapolis where this collector collides with a companion by the name of Sophie Aldred, who plays Ace, uh, for a wonderful Doctor Who Festival Day. Uh, also down there, I'll leave this pagan, he'll be there with his props and costumes and, and things. He's got some pretty cool props from the series. I don't know how he gets them. Some scripts that authors have just sent him. I don't know, he just asks and they say, okay. <laughs> what a way to go. Um, and um, of course, uh, uh, Keith and Jenny will have a shuttle bus running from there to the Who North America store. And that's a pretty incredible store. It has a museum. It has a, a wonderful, uh, uh, my favorite part of the museum is when Keith tells me, well, you've got one of those, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep, gotta keep working. So by the way, tickets are still available. There's also, uh, you can, uh, you can have uh, dinner with Sophie on Friday night or brunch on Sunday morning. It's a great deal. Of course, you also can have dinner with me or brunch with me, but I'm not the headliner. So, uh, but I'm a guest. So it's really exciting to be on the, on the bill with uh, somebody like Sophie and she's been super nice 
uh, so far. Um, our future episodes, of course, will continue our classic hardcovers after the Target Book Club returns from hiatus. But don't worry, we're not going on hiatus. We've got lots to talk about. Um, I promised uh, a story on the Blue Spines. You know, blue spines are smiling at me. You know, <laughs> nothing but blue spines. Blue spines. Uh, we're going to talk about missing adventures. We've got uh, lots of uh, emails, and also the uh, the debacle with the Fourteenth Doctor screwdriver uh, will oh. be will be discussed in depth. That was a it was a horrible rollout, and still continues to be a headache uh, for many people who ordered them from Character Online. Um, and I'll just give you a preview of that because uh usually when something like that comes out i put an order in for two just because i want to take one out and keep one in the box well i got one and i was like mm -hmm. what the heck so i wrote to their customer service nothing day later i wrote again i tried to call them but the call could not complete uh, for some reason international dialing is hit and mess but finally two weeks later i get an email back from customer service oh we're so sorry we'll send you out, out right away this was three weeks ago i got it today Oof. so i can uh i'll just pull it out real quick here so you can see this is the the online version uh i've also got a retail version coming which is in blue packaging mm. um, for this uh, this is the first time by the way in a long time that a prop is released prior to its appearance because mm -hmm. this hasn't made screen appearance yet but uh it's it actually was quite reasonable i think it was 30 dollars so it wasn't wasn't too bad at all. Um, but there you go. Uh, you can follow us, of course, on Instagram at Doctor Who Collectors to see full cover art of all of these hardcovers. And of course, see the full list of hardcovers at DoctorWhoCollectors.com with updated pricing information and additional research that is being done across many platforms to provide a complete history of the Doctor Who novelizations. Um, of course, uh, you can watch this episode uh, with the cover art and uh, watching our wonderful conversation and of course tony's beautiful daughter in that picture there uh oh, on, Pat you. on patreon with a 15 dollars subscription uh if you have photos or proof of life of books we don't talk about or say don't exist you can email those photos to doctor who collectors podcast at gmail.com with hardcover photos in the subject line thank you once again for being here tony thank you for having me and stay tuned for the most outrageous offer Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss in story order all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Keep collecting! I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories so you don't have to. 
You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. The vervoids are probably the best dirty joke in Doctor Who. They're hermaphroditic plants. A lot of plants are. So there you but go. That's it's based on science. No, they'll ship anything. There are probably eleven and handle shippers out there. You just have to drill a hole where his mouth is, and you're all set. You know yeah. he needs the room. I've seen it in pictures. I'm not saying you're not a fan. I'm saying you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Doctor Who gives a a drunken Doctor Who podcast for the end times my travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil, against power-mad conspirators. I should have stayed here. The oldest civilization, decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power-mad conspirators, Daleks, Omtarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. And now it's time for the most outrageous offer. An outrageous offer is an offer about a Doctor Who item, a Doctor Who related item, or something that seems a little bit crazy priced. So today we have a book. Uh, it's a collection. It's the Doctor Who Dave, Kib- Dave Gibbons collection. Um, and uh, it's the Tom Baker on the front cover. Um, and uh, it looks like there's Ogrons and things on the front just says dave gibbons collection so anyway the isbn is 1613773471 idw publishing in 2012 not you know but roughly 11 years ago um this is being sold by big bill's books of austin texas uh has been uh has good seller rating but he's um this book is used and um there's there's very little other information, but the the asking price is two thousand five hundred eighty five dollars and ninety six cents, with three dollars shipping. So uh, found that on Abe's Books. Uh, that's where it was sent to me, and so I did some research. I found a copy of this on eBay for anywhere from thirty dollars to forty dollars. So definitely not. I know I didn't see any of these any of these. Uh, over the top, you know, as far as, you know, and it doesn't say autographed by him or anything like that. Um, of course, if it is autographed, maybe a little bit more, but not not $2,585. There's also a new one you can buy on uh, Abe Books for $47.65. And uh, that's from Gridfried in North Las Vegas. So uh, definitely uh, that price. Don't pay that price. That's crazy. And, uh, of course, I will have screenshots of that uh, and the links on my website for you to check out if they last that long. Sometimes they get to pull down. But if you see an item out there that's priced a little too high or crazy, uh, give us an email at drwhocollectorspodcast.gmail.com and we will do our research. Well, that wraps it up for the most outrageous offer and 
that wraps it up for the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, I want to especially thank my guest today, Mr. Tony Witt, who, uh, you know, is a, is an invaluable uh, resource for Doctor Who Target books. Uh, he's read, you know, he's reading them all. So, I mean, that's uh, one, one guy there. And uh, having the panel of people on the podcast that he hosts do the ratings for us. Uh, so uh, we're hoping uh, sometime uh, after November, uh, some, maybe in December or January 2024, we will do the 1984 books because we have to wait for them to catch up. And that's okay. Uh, so there you go. Uh, what's coming up soon? Uh, we're going to have a show on blue spines. We're going to do something on the blue spine targets. We're going to look at uh, some of those things and some of the more unusual collectibles that have come through the, uh, the email box here. So if you want something talked about or want me to do some research for you, just shoot me an email, doctorycollectorspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, until then, keep collecting. Doctor Who Podcast Network.